Welcome to Tech Talk. Bye. C D T. Welcome to CDT's Tech Talk, where we dish on tech and internet policy while also explaining what these policies mean to our daily lives. I'm Brian Wazolowski, and it's time to talk tech. If you spend a bunch of time online, odds are you've experienced some outrage and anger, especially if you are following our president's tweets, and that's regardless of your political views. So why is that? Well, there's an obvious reason for some, but even if you are a supporter, today's guest believes the science of social contagions can help explain what's happening. Ashley Merriman is the best-selling author of Top Dog, The Science of Winning and Losing, and Nurture Shock, New Thinking About Children, and she recently wrote about how our president's incivility can affect society like the flu. Welcome, Ashley. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So tell me more about social contagions and just how sick are we because of our president? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I want to actually give a disclaimer for the conversation, which I'm really excited to have, but just as a warning to everyone, we may talk about experiences of incivility, and incivility is so contagious just like the flu, that mere exposure to it makes us more likely to be uncivil ourselves. So I apologize in advance if I say something about, you know, as an example, and people perceive it as uncivil. I actually, like, my heart starts racing now when I start talking about examples of incivility because I'm so sensitive to its awareness and its impact. And you're right. It's astonishing. Research has shown that merely reading anyone's tweet, that's all it takes, <laughs> is enough to affect your mood. Watching a 45-second video clip, right, so if you log on to Twitter before you go to work, a 45-second video clip is enough to contaminate your entire day. Oh my goodness. As, as an experiment. Yeah, they did it as an experiment, and they had, and they just emailed people clips of and these are experiments, so it's mild incivility, right? It's like, you were late, why? Right, I mean, yeah. nothing you would consider to be incivil, but if it's more than that, people sort of know what the gig is, right? So they have to do <laughs> really straight. And But they sent people randomly assigned, you know, maybe it was every other day, every couple days, these clips of mild incivility or a normal clip. And then they texted you throughout the day. Hey, how you feeling? What you doing? What's today like? And 45 seconds of incivility in the morning contaminated people's entire day. They were more likely to perceive other people for being rude. They were less likely to focus on their goals, to feel like they were achieving and producing anything on their goals. It was just literally contaminating, and that's the word the researchers used, their entire outlook for the rest of the day. Wow. And I mean, this is probably something a bunch of us have experienced even at night. I mean, I, I have made it so that I don't I don't go down the Twitter hole at night. I make sure that I don't, you know, log in and look at different things. But your point about, you know, incivility, even just talking about it, when I was kind of reading that intro and I, I get to the president's incivility, I also tensed up. You know, what are what are some of the, the symptoms that other people see when they kind of experience a sort of incivility? Yeah, well, I mean, they've done experiments, again, you know, in the lab, 
someone will come up to someone and, you know, the conf- it's a confederate, they're staged, and they're intentionally late, and the supervisor says, you're late, you know, in a, in a room of college students, you'll never get a job like this, get out. <laughs> Just witnessing that, and then they do subsequent tasks in the lab, and not even realizing that was, you know, that was the, that was the experiment, right? Yeah. Um, people experienced a decline in verbal ability by 86%. Wow. Their math skills went down 43%. Their working memory reduced, both in terms of the amount of things they could remember and how fast they recalled things. I mean, these are really tangible effects. We're not just talking about, oh, people should be nice because it's nice to be nice. No, I'm <laughs> it is nice to be nice, but these are far more tangible. Yeah, no, it sounds very grounded in science. I mean, our first example, we were talking about, like, the president's tweeting. um, Or, you know, I guess we were just talking about his incivility in general. But do you think that social media, um, especially how we communicate today through it, magnifies this, is making it worse, has a a greater impact than just, you know, the classroom example you gave? Or are they kind of part of the same problem? Um, I think all of that is true. Okay. And actually, in my conversations about... Um, civility. I'm really sensitive now to the false choice. Most of these are all yes and. <laughs> so researchers yeah. did a study of every political tweet since the inception of, well, not the inception of Reddit, but the creation of political categories within Reddit. And they also looked at a representative sampling of any general tweet or any general Reddit posts, so okay. it could have been about someone's knitting or whatever. And they did, and they tracked them, and it was around six million comments altogether through the hundredth day of Trump's presidency. And they concluded that political discourse was the worst it had ever been in the ten years that they could track. Wow. So, and they actually correlated it pretty closely along the election cycle in terms of whether it was a primary, whether it was a general, whether, you know, where there a debate, and you could see fluctuations, and they did attribute this to the, to the Trump effect. That's what they called it. Oh, um, so I think he is definitely having an effect. There is other research that's sort of looking at your specific question, does um, does incivility or aggression in one t- context stay in that context? Is the Trump is the tweet troll nice in the rest of their life? <laughs> I suspect no, but <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's an interesting question, right? Um, and or does the tweet troll affect your rest of your life, or is it contained in a particular media? Mm-hmm. And the research is pretty clear: no, it it isn't contained. And in a couple different ways, they've looked at the willingness of consumers of uncivil social media and traditional media and find that the more uncivil media and uncivil social media you have, the more approving you are of incivility in other Mm. contexts and the more willing you are to use that incivility. So we have some direct evidence in that way. And then we also have experimental tracking which 
know, finds that, again, that one tweet, that one insult, the, and the, you know, the argument you had with your boss or your coworker, you take that home with you. Sure, sure, no. And, and actually, that's, if you think about how it operates, that's fairly predictable because one of the reasons instability and aggression are so powerful is because we don't know why it happened. Right? I mean, you spend most of the time, why did you, why would you tweet such a thing? What, what did you think you were accomplishing? Oh, yeah. my God. We've all had that. Yeah. We've That's so that, relatable. Right? Yeah. Where you're stewing over something and you, exactly. you just can't let it go. And a lot of it is that why question. You're exactly right. Exactly. And because of it, cognitive declines because you're spending time thinking even subconsciously what just happened maybe maybe i misunderstood because that couldn't possibly be who any meant right <laughs> so you're trying to fix it in your brain but you can't and whether we're talking about a troll you don't know or a politician or your boss you may not feel comfortable or able to directly confront it so you can't fix the problem and that's what makes it so angry-making, but that's why it's so easy to have it spill over. Yeah. Right? I can't yell at my boss, so I'm just frustrated all day, but that means I'm going to yell at the Uber driver yeah. or the pedestrian or my spouse. Right, right. No, that all makes a lot of sense. Can this work in reverse, though? You know, can positive cues or more positive messaging have the same sort of effect? Is it the same sort of reinforcing cycle? Or does negativity and incivility trump that, for lack of a better word, huh? I know, it's not weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, it's a yes and. The, okay. uh, the research does show that uh, anger travels in social media faster than happiness. But think about how many happy cat videos you've watched. Oh, you countless. Know why. And there were five million other views before you saw it, right? Right. So, yes, positive feelings are more, are, are contagious. If I'm nice to you, if I do a favor for you, you will probably do a favor for me. You don't necessarily do, the research is sort of ambiguous in terms of that whole pay it forward idea. Okay. There's less support of that. It's it seems to be more within the circle of people who actually were generous to you than just complete strangers. Um, but yeah, the research definitely shows that positive uh, contagion, you know, there is a, such a thing as a positive social contagion. Enthusiasm is contagious. Confidence is contagious. So we don't have to just accept that, you know, we're basically stuck. And they all, and again, they're self-reinforcing. There was a study looking at Twitter, and this again, it just shows you how powerful this is. Eighty percent of Twitter users, half of what we post is the result of an emotional contagion. Oh, interesting! Wow. Now, some of you might be going, "Well, I'm the twenty percent, and it must be." <laughs> I would be one of those people. The research actually shows the remaining 20% are even more susceptible to an influence of emotional contagion. And if wow. you think about it, look at your Twitter feed. How much of it are you coming with original content? And how much is a repost or a retweet or yep. a response? And the more angry, the more angry you are. And what's really interesting, if you post an angry post, your Subsequent tweets that you see are 5% more angry. 
if you post a positive tweet, your subsequent tweets are 5% more positive. I don't know if that is something in a Twitter algorithm. Oh, that would be interesting hey, Twitter, to find out. You know this, but I don't know if it's a Twitter goes, oh, you like angry. We'll give you more angry. <laughs> or, oh, no. I, or, I, I don't know, but it also could simply be if I posted, I hate them. Well, my friends are going to reply, I hate them too. Yeah. Yeah, no, right. I know what you're saying. That makes perfect sense. I think we have a great question for Twitter after this. Um, oh, I have lots of questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So, I mean, yes. so I do think that you know they, they can be self-reinforcing and that we need to actively start policing ourselves at a minimum. I have ideas on policing others too. Um, <laughs> we'll get to those. Right choice yeah. of words. But, um, you know, it was interesting. I Yesterday I was... Um, on a Twitter conversation, and I obviously am trying to be really civil. Yes. And everyone who I reply to, I say, sir and ma'am, all due respect. <laughs> um, but. I don't know. I'm still at an age where I don't like to be called sir. I'm right on that line <laughs> where it's like, yes, I'll embrace it, I don't or, know you know. How old someone is in, in Twitter. That's world, true. That's right? true. And again, I think it's appropriate to err on being extra civil and extra respectful. I like so, it. And like oh, another one of one of the things that you were saying in terms of the enforcing and dialogue, it's not just positivity. Research looks and finds that, you know, a civil comment, if I post a civil comment, people respond to me in kind. That's great. No, I actually once wrote a little article on the cdt.org blog uh, about unfollow all the mean people. And I found that that was actually a really fun exercise to go through. And people who, if you look at their Twitter feeds, are only negative, you know, whether it's even a, a person you might agree with. Uh, but if they only communicate in negative ways, it did put me in bad mood. So I unfollowed them. And I like my Twitter feed much more than I used to. Uh, this was pre-Trump. So, um, you know, maybe that's not the case anymore. But I still like it a bit more. So let's get to the Solutions. No, Let's get to solutions. Totally, research says you're totally right. <gasps> Yay! I love being backed up by science. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is good. Well, let's think about what more folks should do, because I'm sure, you know, in doing all, looking at all this research, thinking through it, you probably have a lot of ideas or, you know, concrete thoughts here. Um, you know, I see it kind of as something that we could do in our personal life, our professional life, and then also probably things that tech or internet companies should be doing, especially those mm -hmm. with social platforms. So let's start with kind of, you know, the individual. What should we be doing professionally and personally to um, counteract these social contagions, especially the negative ones? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the, the positive social contagions, we don't need to counteract. Yeah, no, we want to magnify those, we right? Should we should reinforce those. <laughs> Good point. Um, <laughs> I just don't want to take anything for granted. Yeah. I think that... <clears throat> Individually, one of the main things, uh, Christine Porath wrote, a, um, is a Georgetown professor who studies incivility, and she actually has a book out called Mastering Civility. Oh, great. But so one of Christine's main things, especially for social media, is reduce your intake of uncivil content. Ah, I love it. So, I'm going to read this book now. Yeah, so limit the amount of exposure. That means do not check Twitter every day. That means deselect Twitter notifications. And, you know, monitoring very closely when and turn off the uncivil screaming on pundit matches. Do not watch that. Do not share the pundit arguing match. Mm, good advice. Because, and to me, I think about it and like, okay, would you have, as an adult, go to a schoolyard 
and and kids are screaming at each other, would you yell fight, fight, fight? Wow. Because that's what you're doing on the internet when you share yeah. a clip of pundits arguing. I agree with that. Yeah, no, that's good advice. I actually tell a lot of people if they want to be more sane in life and think the world is better, don't watch cable news. So <laughs> when you, you know, and that goes, doesn't matter which uh, political leaning you have. It's just, that's kind of what television is right now. And then when you magnify I, that on social media, it makes it even worse because you've taken then, you know, perhaps a longer thoughtful conversation and boiled it down to a probably one minute clip and that gets even worse. And it's the worst, least informed and informative part. Right. <laughs> Good point. All it is is about the angry making. And yeah. even if there had been an hour of substantive information, you don't know that. Yeah. Good point. Good right? point. And all of that, again, is really um, destructive. And research actually shows that not only is anger faster at traveling, people who are angry are looking for information that confirms the view they already have. Yeah. The confirma confirmation bias piece. Yeah. It, it, well, it's even a particular kind of confirmation bias because mm. we just generally want to know we're right, but angry drives it even more. Oh, fascinating. As opposed to someone who's anxious. Someone who's anxious genuinely wants to know the answer. So they would look for more sources of information and aren't necessarily going to be looking for confirming what they knew because that may just increase their, yes, you're right to be terrified. Well, <laughs> I don't want to know that. Give me something else. <laughs> Ah, interesting. So what else but can we so do? When you're watching those angry clips, yeah. you're teaching yourself over time to actually research shows. Constant exposure to incivility makes you less trustful, less open-minded, more hostile, more likely to believe that other people are insidious and have to get you. Um, so another thing to do, especially for leaders or whether you're talking about political leaders or supervisors in an office, the one bad apple really can ruin the barrel. And you need to address incivility immediately and clearly. You need to remove that person from the company. Don't transfer him. Don't mm. tell everyone, oh, it's not a big problem. We'll just work around him. Because what you're actually teaching everyone is there are no consequences to incivility. Oh, interesting. Yeah, no, it's too often and, you hear, that's just the way they are. You know, that's their style. And that's mm -hmm. that's not always great. That's clearly not always great, as you're saying right no, now. No, it's, it's, it's really In fact, the opposite, and, yeah. And if that, the uncivil person is promoted, then you're actually teaching people that incivility is the way to be successful here. Mm. So research really has shown that both the passive leader who does nothing and the leader who encourages incivility both have huge dramatic effects throughout an institution. So we really want to respond to it. If you're on the end of incivility and you don't know what to do, it's really hard. 94% of us say that when we experience incivility, we're going to retaliate. Wow. And that's actually the people who actually, I mean, those are amazing numbers to me because yeah. normally we don't want to admit we are going to do something bad, right? So if 20% had said, yeah, I'm going to retaliate, I would have said, yeah, and there's probably another 20, 20 or 30% who probably are, but we don't want to tell you that, right? right? But instead, 94% of us said, yeah, we're going to do it. Wow. Um, another... Another study in the workplace found that 70% of people admitted to being the targets, but also the perpetrators of workplace aggression. Sure. So we really need to 
if we're on the receiving end, and most of us are in some way, some random thing, really own that feeling. But rather than lash out at that person or other people, then we need to, again, another uh, Professor Porat suggestion, decompress, remove yourself, concentrate on calming down, realize that that really did affect you. Yeah. I mean, that's to me like... I knew I was angry after watching people yell at each other, but now I'm realizing the effect of that feeling I'm having. So I don't want to spread it around. Just as if I was sick, I wouldn't go into the office and sneeze on people. Yeah. No, that's if I'm a... angry, I need to disconnect and calm down before I give it to other people. No, that's some great advice. So let's, we don't have too much time left, but let's, I do want to hear your thoughts on what kind of the social media companies should be doing because obviously they play a, a big role or they have the, potentially could play a big role in addressing this. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely think they do. And I think we need to do institutional as well as individual efforts. To me, or um, companies like Twitter or Facebook, and I know there's the sort of, oh, we can't censor, blah, blah, blah. Well, they're private companies. First Amendment doesn't apply, right? So I'm a lawyer, too. <laughs> <laughs> that is legally correct, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I, I, there was, there's no state actor. You can, you can pick and choose whomever you want to speak on your platform. Yep. But I, to me, I mean, I sort of respect the idea that we want, you know, the a bigger pool of voices on the other hand that doesn't mean we should be helpless and i actually have been intentionally exposing myself to some of the most hateful things i can find oh gosh that must be hard it is hard but i want it you know i'm writing about it i'm covering it i want to know what i'm talking about and i report them and i have reported to twitter so and so is an imposter twitter replies to me we have confirmed that so and so is an imposter and i said great and guess what? That person's profile wasn't taken down. Wow. I've gotten an email saying, yes, we've confirmed that that um, Twitter person is advocating violence or suicide. I said, great. Went to the account. Not taken down. So they obviously aren't even enforcing the things that they're doing. But then you also have this sort of idea that Twitter said repeatedly, well, yes, we would kick Trump. We would kick you and I off for saying something. But we wouldn't kick Trump off for saying the same thing because he's powerful. Mm. He's newsworthy. And so here's my response. If people are, or accounts, but let's just say people, are regularly uncivil, and people are regular saying, and, and I have a test for incivility, we can go to that in a second, but if they're regularly uncivil, not one shot, we can all have a knee-jerk response, we can all have a bad day, I sure. get that. But if you're regularly uncivil, then your account gets a, permanent, whether that's six months permanent or permanent permanent, I don't know, but you get a red check right next to that blue check, or you get a red box that appears around every single one of your subsequent tweets for a period of time, so that everyone who sees them, because you had to pick and choose who were the mean people. You had to expose yourself to mean people in your Twitter feed to figure out who were the mean people. (laughs) Twitter should tell you beforehand this person is regularly uncivil. The research shows that when I warn you of incivility, it has less of an effect. That's why I did it at the beginning. And it also is a context thing, right? If I go to a football game, if I go to a baseball game, I'm gonna expect trash talk. It's not gonna hurt quite as much. Someone may cross the line, right? But I'm prepared for it. Right. 
I'm not necessarily prepared for it on Twitter unless the reputation of Twitter is just embraced. Yes, we really are about uncivility, and that's you know, uncivility, and that's the primary. So I think that Facebook, Twitter, and again, not on their profile page, but every post should be flagged. I also feel like traditional media, we have uh, ratings for TV violence, but violence only includes physical acts of violence. Mm. It doesn't include verbal aggression. It doesn't include any other kind of relational aggression. And I'd like to create a I rating for incivility. And currently the TV ratings and producers themselves identify their work as violent currently. There's no government actor. There's no one doing this. But I'd like to add an I rating. There's currently an exemption for news and sport. Obviously that should end. Mm. And I think that that same rating should not just carry on to the actual broadcast of the show, but should inc be included when you post a clip. Hmm. Interesting. These are a lot of great thoughts and ideas. Quickly, um, as we are about out of time here, tell me what your kind of checklist for civility is. What, what counts as uncivil actions? Well, I went with the ones that I thought were the most easy. <laughs> okay, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. Advocacy of violence. If you advocate violence, you're uncivil. That's, yeah. Swearing, profanity. And I don't care if you say, well, that's just how I talk. Well, that's a lot of people, but no, it's still uncivil. Uh, personal attacks, dehumanizing someone, relying characters, stereotypes, and presenting false facts as truth. Oh, great. Yeah, and no cumulatively, they're all, the more and more uncivil you are, I think any one of those obviously could be considered uncivil. But, you know, on the flip side, respecting someone's point of view, saying, oh, you know, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought of that. That is civil, right? Pretending someone has, is just innately bad and everything they have, that is uncivil. And it's dangerous. And it's also short-sighted. I think that a lot of people think that, you know, especially, well, we got to play to our base. Um, a research study surveyed those who did not vote in the November 2016 election, and six out of ten of the people who didn't vote said part of the reason they did not vote was because the candidates were uncivil. Oh, wow. That's so incredible. Really? Yeah, and 42% of Americans say that they, and this was a year ago, so maybe higher, said, yeah, we're going to stop watching uncivil news. We can't tolerate this anymore. We aren't going to look at social media anymore. We can't deal with this. And so the people who are saying, oh, we've just got to fire up the base more and more and more, are losing the people who are genuinely undecided, the people who genuinely want to know the facts and want to know what's going on. And hopefully and the majority people, of people when you really get down to it. I mean, and, the base the often, people. when you really look at the numbers, is so small. The base, as I'm air quoting, which folks can't uh -huh. see. but <laughs> And the people who are so upset that people are screaming are probably the people who actually care. Yeah. No, these are and all great not, points. Yeah. So I think it's really important. And again, it's not just, you know, I, I feel at the moment like I'm trying to be the nation's mother and I just want to carry around a giant <laughs> <of> soap. <laughs> but I, I'm really trying to show that it's not just saying, okay, let's be nice. There are real consequences to it, but there are real concrete steps that we can take, again, individually, institutionally, to make a difference.
Yeah, no, the, your numbers, your stats, your research really resonated with me to, to hammer home the concrete reasons to be more civil. So hopefully uh, listeners will take some of that away and this starts an important conversation or just gets people thinking about a little bit more what they're saying and how they're acting because science backs it up. You know, incivility breeds more incivility. So that is bad. Ashley, thank you so much for joining Tech Talk. Oh, thanks. It was an honor. <laughs> That's it for this episode of Tech Talk. For the very latest on what CDT is doing to shape a vibrant digital future, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, or visit cdt.org. I'm Brian Wazolowski. Thanks for listening.